Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Okay, facts matter. Facts matter, right? What does Ben Shapiro always say? Facts don't care about your feelings. They don't. Facts are facts. Um, sometimes facts are hard for us to take. Sometimes facts support our arguments. Sometimes they don't. What does that have to do with the show today? I'm going to go through the hard, cold facts about what happens in a disputed election on January 6th at 1 p.m. Eastern time, 1300 military hours. What is that in Zulu? I don't know. 1300 military time. What happens? Well, the answer is what happens is the Electoral College votes are counted, and there's a lot of stories out there in the media about the vice president's role. What does Congress do? It's a disputed election. Obviously, what happens? I'm going to walk through it step by step. Also, an update on Fakebook. Fakebook is at it again, interfering in another election. On my page, I'm going to show you evidence that's irrefutable how insane Fakebook's gotten. And quick update on uh the Ilaria Baldwin, Paula told me it's Ilaria, not Hilaria. Ilaria Baldwin's that which I'm I know, I'm sorry, but there's so much involved there. And another abomination out of the state of Georgia. A legal ruling about the election that will tragically make you laugh. It's so ridiculous. Today's show brought to you by ExpressVPN. Ladies and gentlemen, get a VPN today and protect your online activity from prying eyeballs. Surf the web in peace. Go to expressvpn.com slash Bongino. Don't wait. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today, my friend? I'm doing good, man. How are you feeling? Look at well, I'm going to ring my own chemo bell today. Yesterday <laughs> was my hopefully knock on wood. Wait, some wood. Do we have wood around here? Knock yeah. on wood. I'm not really superstitious. But my last chemo treatment, this is the Kenny bell. Kenny, I hope you're okay. We're going to make it the chemo bell today. The Kenny bell's three rings. <laughs> So I'm going to ring my own chemo bell. Hopefully my last treatment yesterday. Yeah. Maybe one more for good luck. Uh, Thank good. you, Kenny, for sending the bell. So yes, mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm feeling okay. No hiccups. I feel, I told you I'd never do a show if I didn't feel up to it. And I feel good, good today. Deal. So thank you for all your concerns. You all been with me. All right, let's get right to I, it. Today's show brought to you by my friends at GenuCell. Ladies and gentlemen, Chamonix extended their Christmas and holiday season sale. Nice for a limited time. Give yourself the gift a priceless gift of looking years younger with Chamonix's brand new Zotique Deep Correcting Serum. Absolutely free with your order. The new Zotique Deep Correcting Serum from Chamonix means skin that's smooth as silk, free from redness, acne, and acne scars, and faster collagen production. Zotique increases firmness, smoothness, and diminishes adult acne, redness, and stress breakouts. Even say goodbye to those dreaded crow's feet, crow's feet and laugh lines. Nobody wants those. And with its immediate effects, see results in 12 hours or less. Everyone will see the difference guaranteed. 100% of your money back. This is a Paula Bongino favorite, I must say. Just giving us the Vogue look there. That's the Chamonix promise. Visit GenuCell.com, GenuCell.com. Here's a promo code. Everybody loves promo codes. Dan40. That's Dan40. Enter that at checkout for even more holiday savings. Treat yourself. Get Chamonix's brand new Zotique Deep Correcting Serum. Their crystals at home microdermabrasion treatment. Exfoliating mask and a surprise luxury gift. All free with your order today. Plus free upgrade to priority shipping. GenuCell.com. That's G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com. GenuCell.com. Enter Dan40 at checkout for even more savings. All right, Joe. Let's go with the real bell. Yep. There you go. I got a nice compliment about the bell. People like that. So uh, someone sent me an email there saying, hey, I know oh, it's time good. to get into it. So we appreciate it. Sounds good. All right, let's get right to the show today. So here are the hard, cold facts about the role of Congress and the vice president, January 6th. Ladies and gentlemen, it's important. I said in my tease, I do exclusively on Parlor before the show every morning. I'm at D. Bongino in Parlor. if you'd like to follow me. There's a lot of confusion. Can the vice president pick what slate of electors Here's the long and short of it. On January 6th, coming up right away, right quick, right quick, 
my friends down south say, at 1 p.m., they will start counting and uh, the electoral college votes up in the Capitol to certify that election. OK, now that is according to both procedures in the Constitution and three USC 15 combined. The procedure was more clearly delineated later in this electoral uh, electoral college count act in the late 1800s after some disputes of how the procedure was supposed to work. There's a ton of confusion. Can the vice president unilaterally pick which electors if there's a dispute? We're going to go through it piece by piece. I went through the, I think the entire internet yesterday. I think because I, I had four hours in the chemo chair. I think I searched the whole internet. Damn, that's not possible. It's hyperbolic. It's close to possible because I wanted the best piece that explained it in plain English so we don't have to be legal scholars, every one of us, to figure out what the hell's going on. Here it is. Epic Times. Great job. By the way, if you want to read the piece, subscribe to my newsletter. It's all free. Bongino.com slash newsletter. Just click subscribe. I'll send these articles right to you. Um, this one's great. Epic Times walks through piece by piece. It's not even that long. You read it. You'll be a constitutional scholar tomorrow. This is by Peter Svab, who does great work. The power of the vice president to count or reject electoral votes is disputed. So let's lay out the parameters. January 6th, they're going to count these electoral votes. There's a dispute in many states, which slate of electors. In other words, did Donald Trump win that state or lose that state? There's a dispute. Is there not? If there wasn't, I wouldn't be talking about it. There's a dispute over Pennsylvania. 200,000 people whose votes were counted who didn't vote. We covered that yesterday. I can't go through it again today. Watch yesterday's show. You'll get the full details. 200,000 people allegedly whose votes were counted who didn't vote. Weird. Okay. So let's go through step one. What exactly is supposed to happen on January 6th at 1 p.m.? This is kind of important stuff to know this because the media doesn't want to do any research. So it's left, it's up to people like me who do actual reporting to tell you from the Epic Times piece. Here's how it's supposed to work. The counting of votes is primarily governed by the 12th Amendment of the Constitution and the amended Electoral Count Act. That's what I was talking about before. The Constitution simply states this, that electors of each state have to meet and make a list of their votes. Here's the exact wording, which they shall sign and certify. So electors from the states have to meet, sign this, uh, their, who their electoral votes are for, and certify them. They then send those to the president of the Senate meaning Vice President Mike Pence. Okay, sounds like a simple procedure. Florida voted for Donald Trump. They have 29 electoral votes. Each of the 29 electors from Donald Trump Donald Trump sign, yes, we are submitting our votes for Donald Trump. They make it up to the Capitol. The tellers from the House and the Senate pick them up, open the envelopes. My Vice President reads them. Vice President says, Florida, Donald Trump. Anybody, audience on Budsman Joe, any confusion there? No, no, Ms. Paula, no, we're good. The great Miss Paula? Mm. No, confused. pretty simple stuff, right? Well, yeah. not so much. That's how it's supposed to work. Of course, as with everything in that process, in a free society, there's always going to be disputes about what exactly each and every word means. So here's how disputes over who won a state, and, and there are disputes. There's liberal media people listening who will pretend there aren't. I, I don't care. You get the double-barreled, if you know what I mean. The double-barreled index finger, because the video version should be somewhat family-friendly. We don't care what you think. There are disputes in Michigan. There are disputes in Pennsylvania. There are disputes in Georgia. Thank you, period, full stop. Here's how, according to this Epic Times piece, which is very well done, here's how disputes are supposed to work thanks to 3 USC 15, this Electoral Count Act that they passed in the late 1800s. Check this out. It says, quote, 
Then in rather convoluted language, the law, again, they're talking about this three USC 15, USC stands for United States Code, says that Congress members can object. So keep this up if you don't mind, Ms. Paula. So as these tellers open the electoral college votes from each state like Florida and read them, members can object. Say, hey, I don't think Trump won Florida, whatever. Now, how does the, how does the objection work? At least one objection from each chamber is needed to trigger a separate vote by the House and Senate on the objections. In other words, say, excuse me, forgive me, folks. We have to deal with this throughout the show today. It's the one downside of chemo that drives me crazy, the hiccups. and uh, So I'm very sorry. Uh, I just can't edit it all out of the show. We're doing our best, though. All you need is one congressman and one senator to object and say, Joe, again, follow me as the audience on Buzzman. I object to Florida going for Trump. If that happens, a separate vote is taken on the House and Senate floor about the objections. If both chambers agree that the objection's legitimate, then the objected voters are rejected. That's virtually out of the question, given that the Democrats own the majority in the House. So if someone were to say, in other words, hey, I think Donald Trump won Georgia, I object, even though according to the current tally, he didn't, they have to vote on it. The Democrats are on the House. The Democrats are going to say, forget the objection, you're out. Everybody tracking? Pretty simple, right? If two sets of electors are presented for counting, the House and Senate need to separately vote on which set of electors submitted by the state are legitimate and which should be rejected. If each chamber votes differently, here we go. The set certified by the state's governor should count. That would hand the victory to Biden. Hmm. This is not as complicated as it sounds. They actually do very well. I know most of you get it. But let's say a state submits two sets of electors. Georgia sends electors that say Donald Trump won and electors that say Joe Biden won. There's a separate vote on that about which set of electors to pick. Track in on Budsman Joe? Yep. If there's a difference... Meaning, say, the Democrat House says, no, no, we think Biden won Georgia. And say the Republican Senate, we're talking about our U.S. Senate, not the, remember, the state of Georgia has already submitted two separate set of electors. If the Senate, the U.S. Senate says, because it's run by Mitch McConnell and the Republicans, no, no, we think uh, the Georgia set of electors for, for Trump won Georgia, then what happens? Then what's supposed to happen is the electors signed off by the governor who's a Republican governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, which would be the ones that say Biden won, those are supposed to be accepted. Okay. Some of you no. now are probably tracking everyone. Some of yeah. you now are like, eh, are you giving me the go ahead? Am I over-explaining too much? Is that what I'm doing? Oh, okay. Good. Just try. I have to, you know, she always has a good editorial taste for the show. I thought she was giving me the, come on, speed it up, buddy. So just to be clear, it seems pretty straightforward, but some of you who are a little more legally savvy then the rest of us, you may be lawyers, paralegals, or you do a lot of homework into this stuff. We're covering a lot of other news. They're saying, where's that in the Constitution? So if two separate electors from Georgia, one say Biden won, one say one set of electors say Trump won, are submitted, and then the U.S. House says, because there's a dispute, Biden won, and the U.S. Senate says Trump won, then we have to accept the ones that governor signed up. Where exactly is that in the Constitution? I don't know. Because it's not. Let's go on. A lot of screenshots from this piece, but it's good. Worth reading through. Here's some problems with that. (laughs) And I quote from the Epic Times. The problem is 
There's a voluminous body for liberals. That means a lot. Voluminous body of legal analysis arguing that the Electoral Count Act, again, 3 U.S.C. 15, if you'd like to look it up, is unconstitutional. Congress has no business granting itself the authority to decide which slate of electors is the correct one and which votes should be rejected. Nor does Congress have the power to designate state governors as the final arbiters. A lineup of legislators and legal scholars have argued this. Again, for the liberals listening, we would call this, Producer Joe, get ready, a dispute. A a dispute. (laughs) A dispute which you would think the media, like we're doing in the Epic Times, is covering fairly. I'm only giving you the facts that there are credible legal scholars on both sides of this debate saying the procedure now, if there's a dispute about who wins a state, won a state that can't be resolved amongst the House and Senate of the U.S. Congress, then we should accept who the governor of the state signed off on, that slate of electors. There is a legal dispute about the media. There's no legal. No, 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 there is. Very smart people say that's not in the Constitution. Some others say, well, we've written the law that way, according to what the U.S. House said, so that's the law. That's the dispute, very simple. But it is a dispute. That's a fact. And again, to quote Ben, facts don't care about you. I don't care about your feelings. I'm just telling you what the facts are. There is a credible legal dispute about that process. Who anointed the governors, kings? The states did. The Constitution doesn't say anything about the governor's role. Nowhere. Sorry. Here are the two sides to the argument. I, again, unlike media outlets, not patting myself on the back. A lot of good people do this. A lot of great podcasters and media people out there. I'm going to give you both sides. And here's another crazy opinion, Joe. I'm going to allow you, the very smart audience I have, God bless your souls. I read your emails. You're brilliant. I'm going to let you figure out for yourself. What a crazy thought. I'll give you both sides. Here's side one. The argument that the vice president, the vice president, currently Mike Pence, obviously, has sole authority here to pick the electors in the dispute, not the governors. Let's put up the Epic Times piece. Save this piece. It's really very, I can't say, I know I've said it two or three times, but it's worth your time. Oh, crap. I got the hiccups. Sorry, folks. I'm hoping it's just mild. Some jurists say it's the vice president who has the sole discretion to decide which votes to count. The argument is that the framers intended for the vice president to be the sole authority over the counting of the votes because the unanimous resolution attached to the Constitution said that the Senate should appoint its president, quote, for the sole purpose of receiving, opening, and counting votes for the president. So there you go. There is one side of the argument. You know what? Can you throw that up one more time? I just want to read that last part again. One side of the argument is the vice president, Mike Pence, has the sole purpose of receiving, opening, and counting the votes for president. All right, come back to me. I just want to make sure you heard that. One side of the legal argument is, no, it's not about the governors, and it's not about anything else other than the vice president having the authority to do that. That's one side. There is another side to this. Another side, by the way, and listen, folks, There are conservatives. Forget the liberals aren't, sadly, not all of them, but many, most liberals aren't serious people. They're not interested in serious legal arguments. Everything's about their feelings and emotions. And when they have the sads, uh, I mean, pat them on the back, rub their heads, 
there are conservatives on both sides of this argument, just so we're clear. And I'm not talking about fake conservatives, I'm talking about real conservatives. There are some conservatives who say, yes, the vice president can say, no, those electors matter. Got it? Very simple. Disputed electors, Georgia sends two slates, vice president can say, it's no, Trump won. Some good conservatives believe that. Some other good conservatives say, that's insane. That's not how it works. And like you would think actual media people would do, we're going to give you the other side. In the Epic Times piece, let's go to the other side, just so we're clear. Again, but there are two sides to this. With good, solid people, this, this it's a little long. It's about, it's about two and a half paragraphs or so, but I want you to listen to this because it's important. Because I'm getting a lot of emails. Dan, the vice president has the absolute authority. Folks, That's not. it's not exactly that clear. And I'm not going to spin your wheels. I absolutely refuse. I'm going to let you make your own decisions. Here's the second side of it. Quote, Epic Times. The second argument is that the Constitution, Constitution, our U.S. Constitution, grants the authority to determine how electors are picked to state legislatures. As such, any disputes over which votes should be counted should be resolved by state legislatures. The Constitution does say that. The problem is state legislatures aren't in session and they can't assemble in a special session without a call from the governors who have refused to call them back. Meanwhile, the legislatures have usually delegated the power to certify electors to the governors and secretaries of state, undermining their own authority on the matter. The conservative Amistad project of the Thomas More Society has filed a federal lawsuit arguing that the power of the legislatures is both exclusive and non-delegable. And thus, any state and federal statutes to the contrary are unconstitutional and void. Folks, again, anyone presenting this to you as a simple argument is just, I'm sorry, they're not telling you the truth. (laughs) There is a credible dispute amongst credible conservatives who are fighting a good fight over who picks what slate of electors, essentially who won each state, who picks them. If there, if there's a dispute, if there's no, listen, there's no dispute over who you want, who won New York, California, right? I mean, we all get that. Biden won New York and California. There's also no dispute over who won Texas or Florida. Trump, Trump, everybody clear? If there's a dispute, there is a legitimate legal dispute based on the reading of the Constitution and subsequent law about who picks. Is it Mike Pence or is it state legislatures? You may say, simple, read the Constitution. It's very clear, state legislature. They're not in session, number one. And number two, the state legislatures have already said, we don't want that power. We're giving it to the governor or secretary of state in our state. Dan, give us an answer. Who's right? Folks, the whole school of ethics is based on the massive gray areas we have in society. There'd be no ethics courses if everything was black and white, right? If the answers were obvious, why would you have the course? Be like arguing over, you know, 10 plus 10 equaling 20. But this isn't mathematics, algorithms, trigonometry, the quadratic equation. That's not what this is. This is the law. And the law that sometimes seems black and white, the Constitution delegates the power to state, legis- state legislatures, isn't. Because it also delegates powers to the vice president. In this case, it appears to be powers that conflict because state legislatures have turned their powers over to the governor. 
I don't have an easy answer for you. I can tell you I'm leaning towards option two. And I must say, some of the attacks on Pence have been grotesque. Pence a good man. He's trying his best under very difficult conditions. I'm not going out on a limb by saying that. No one has asked me to say that. But Pence is a good man. It's a very difficult conditions. This is a really tough dispute going on right now. And I think it needs to be handled responsibly like many of you are. And many of the media class aren't. And it's really sad. All right. Uh, moving on. You know what? Um, let me get to my second sponsor today. Good friend of ours, uh, Rock Auto. Joe's personal favorite, I think. <laughs> After maybe Rock Audio <laughs> Vincero, Joe loves right. Joe loved Rock Auto long before they became a sponsor. Let me get to that. And then coming up, important. Because it's important now. Again, it's a story about fake book, but it's not necessarily a story about fake book. It's a story about election interference right now in the Senate race in Georgia. And I can't believe the FEC is allowing this to happen. Today's show also brought to you by Rock Auto. Hey, chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, like Joe. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everyone and are reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. They don't do that. RockAuto.com's for everyone. Does not require membership or account login. We love Rock Auto. RockAuto.com is a family business. Serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Bongino, my last name, B-O-N-G-I-N-O, in there, how did you hear about us so they know we sent you over there. It's important. Right, Bongino again in there. How did you hear about us, Box? They have an amazing selection. Don't waste money anywhere. Get the best parts, the best prices, reliably low prices for everyone. All the parts your car will ever need. You've heard the jingle. All the parts your car will ever need. Rock Auto, all the parts. They didn't tell me to sing this. I just love the jingle. <laughs> Rockauto.com, rockauto.com. Joe's personal fair. Hey, Joe, you were a big shopper there? Uh, Not yes. work. You are a big shopper. I'm, Hopefully you I won't need Hopefully you don't make it, but when he needs it, he goes to rockauto.com. All right. Let's get back to the show. Appreciate Rock Auto being here. So again, um, fake book strikes again. Ladies and gentlemen, this is serious. I hate to make these segments about me because it's my show. You hear enough from me during the show about me because it's my show. But this is important because there's an election going on in Georgia and an important one right now. The Rock Auto is still up there. Um, so it, it's critical that we call this stuff out for what it is. So yesterday I'm sitting there in, in the dreaded chemo chair, right? It's long. You're there for like four hours. I have to drip four bags. And the last one takes two hours. The, uh, the carbazine. you have four drugs in ABVD chemo. You have adriamycin, bleomycin. I forget the V and then uh, doc, doxycarbazine or something. But the adriamycin from the beginning is red. So you, you look up online, chemo, the red devil. They call it the red devil. That one hit me like a ton of bricks yesterday. The red devil, Diablo Rojo, like Hilaria Baldwin would say. Diablo Rojo, 
I mean, when you go to the bathroom and you be, you can see it's the red devil. You're like, man, maybe the pink devil, but that stuff's a mess. So I'm sitting there and, you know, it hit me hard. So I wasn't in the best of moods yesterday. Because usually when you're getting to Kim, you don't feel, you feel it hours later. Yesterday's, for, maybe it was the fourth one. It was no good. No, buen, no bueno if Hilaria Ballman was talking. And I see on my Facebook page, your, fa- your page has been, uh, what, fact-checked or... We had to put a note on one of your posts because it's missing context. I'm like, here we go again with fake book. Fake book strikes again. So what happened? Let me walk you through this to show you what they do and, and how Facebook pages like mine, which are very popular, they're popular despite fake book because liberal people say, what is Dan Bongino complaining? His page is number one or number two in the country on any given day based on crowd tangle. It's because you share it. It's not fake book doing anything for us. They reject most of our ads. It's popular because of you. You click share. That's all. That's the only reason. It's going to do with liberals' conspiracy theories. So in order for Fakebook to get in the way of my popularity my page, I have to invent ways to stop you from sharing my stuff on Fakebook. So this is what they do. They put little notes on my post to make it seem like my page is incredible. What happened? Let's walk through it piece by piece. First, here's the clip. It's a little bit long, but it's worth replaying. I did a, on this show, We post video clips of my show on Facebook. If you ever want to see them, we do like three or four short segments a day. This one went viral. It was a clip of me and Joe going back and forth about statements made by Democrat Senate candidate in Georgia, Raphael Warnock, who's a pastor, says says things that are not pastor-like all the time, calling out America's love affair with whiteness, which by its very nature is a racist statement. Shockingly, Fake book sick their fact checkers on us and said that was missing context. Ladies and gentlemen, watch the clip I did. We quote the guy. It's his own video. Joe didn't edit this. It's his own video. Check this out. Here is the video of Mr. Warnock. Um, how If you can tell me how this is not a racist statement, I'd love to hear it. Send me a message on Parler. I would love to hear how this is not a racist statement. Check this out. I don't, no matter what happens next month, more than a third of the nation that would go along with this is reason to be afraid. America needs to repent for its worship of whiteness on, on full display. Now back to me, live me, like today me. I have a different shirt on, so those watching on Rumble, it'll be, I'm repping our great friends, great charity, Folds of Honor. Awesome, love them. That was the segment. We had to cut it a little bit short. Joe and I went on to banter a little bit, but I don't want, you know, I don't want to play. The whole thing's like three plus minutes long. So Raphael Warnock, Joe played the video. We did not edit it. We cut it for time, which by the way, ladies and gentlemen, is done in every single news and opinion program on planet earth. Joe, you were in radio, what, 30 years, maybe more. When you were doing radio and you're playing a, snippet of a presidential speech by George Bush, Obama, Trump. Do you play the entire speech on the radio program? No, just check. If, if there's dead air there, why waste the space? Yeah, you just clip it out. Okay. Not you just play anything. a clip, right? Yeah. So if we have a clip saying like Obama said, like, you know, if you like your plan, you can keep your plan. Like you play right. the clip because that part's interesting, but you don't right. play the three hours of his speech. Just no. checking, right? No, no. Okay. Thank- Joe has been in the no. business longer than me. Maybe I'm, no. I'm missing something. So we did not play the entire Warnock speech. We played the portion of the speech in his own words that was controversial. Now, you may, you may say, well, what were they, what context was missing? 
Let's be clear what he was talking about there. He said in the beginning of that clip, if you rewind it, he said a month from now, he's talking about the election. That speech was given in or, or sermon was given October of 2016 before the election of Donald Trump. And he's talking about America's love affair with whiteness and how we need to renounce this. Here's the actual note I got on my, because I'm on the business side of my Facebook account. You'll see a, when you go to this post on Facebook, when was it, Paula? December 14th? December 14th, I think, was the initial. To, and we, by the way, just so you know, like, in case you think I ever fake the funk, which I don't, you know I walk the walk, folks, every time. Every time I do it. In case you think I'm scared of Facebook banning me, I don't care at all. I'm telling you not to show off, not to be Mr. Tough Guy. We make a lot of money on Facebook. A lot. I don't care. A lot. Like life-changing money. Don't care. Now, that's easy for me to say, but in a big double-barreled index finger to Facebook, I called my fake book uh, buddy who helps me get the stuff up because we, you know, we have producers and said we'll put the video up. And I said, do me a favor. In case you think I'm making this up, look, the original post was December 14th when I put that video up. I said, and this is what the clip is. I said, repost that same exact clip today. And that's what we did. Making fun of fake book on fake book. Ban us. We don't care. I love parlor. I'm not kidding. It's not about the money. If it was, I wouldn't do it. I'd be like, ah, let's apologize. No, not doing that. Those are his words. Here's what appeared on my business side of the account, which you didn't get to see. You're just going to see a missing context when you go to the December 14th post. It said a post shared by your page is missing context. <laughs> Independent fact checkers. <laughs> At USA Today. Say that information in a post shared by me, Dan Bongino, is missing context and could mislead people. We have added a notice to the post. And then it gives you a link to the USA Today fact check. What does the fact check say? I'll show you this in a minute. They're all <laughs> Reverend Warnock's sermon on whiteness condemns racism? It's <laughs> uh. <laughs> not a thing. That's so, to be clear, telling Americans or implying through your sermon, sermon, it's a pastor, so of course anything he says has to be taken as gold. Implying through your sermon that whiteness is bad skin color and has to be renounced is condemning racism? <laughs> Like, can we, I, I'm sorry, Paul, we have to do this again. I have face ID. There you go. Kick right in there. I'm so red today from the chemo. Joe was like, you look a little funny. Now. I know. Let's go to the, the left's favorite dictionary.com and let's put in racism here and see what it says. Cause we may be off on the, you know, left loves a dictionary. Dictionary.com has probably changed the definition of racism. A belief or doctrine that inherent differences, inherent, meaning you were born with them, like your skin color. Joe, just checking. That's what that means, inherent differences, <laughs> right? Inher you inherited <laughs> inherited them. That white, whiteness would be, uh, right? When, yeah. You can't change your rate, like inject yourself. No, I got uh, that from checking. my parents. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, Paul is right, unless you're Hilaria. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> Matt Palumbo, our Bongino reporter, also suggested that too, that after the Hilaria Baldwin scandal, dictionary.com will change the definition of Spanish, meaning... Not of Hispanic origin, 
But marrying a famous guy and suggesting you're of Spanish origin, dictionary.com. But here's a, a belief or a doctrine that inherent differences among the various human racial groups determine cultural or individual achievement, usually involving the idea that one's own race is superior and has the right to dominate others, that a particular racial group is inferior to others. Condemning whiteness as a curse and inherent genetic characteristic, that fits that definition perfectly. But somehow, the fact checkers, dreaded air quotes, at USA Today have totally flipped the script to suggest that Warnock saying that is condemning racism. You're like, I must be living in the George Costanza Seinfeld episode where he does everything backwards and his life seems to work out better because he's been a failure up to that point. Curses out his boss, he gets a promotion. Remember that episode? It's one of my faves. Works for George Steinbrenner, curses him out, gets a promotion with the Yankees. You must think we're living in bizarro Superman land where everything's upside down. We are. We are living in a society with the deconstruction of society and the weaponization of language. Please watch yesterday's show about that part too. That was important. I did a long segment on it, but it was worth your time. How the weaponization of language as a political weapon are going to have us all in a fractionalized society where the meaning of words mean entirely different, entirely different things. How does a society function like that? How do you walk in a supermarket and say, I'd like a bushel of apples and it gives you oranges? Oh no, dictionary.com said these are apples. No, they're oranges. That's not true. Liberals said apples are racist, so I'm giving you apples. But you said apples are racist, but apples are redefined as oranges because orange aren't racist. What the hell are you talking about? This is how societies disintegrate. This is the Tower of Babel phenomenon in live time. Here's the actual article from this absolute joke of a, a please, whoever, Matthew Brown is the guy, please give up on the whole journalism. It's not for you. This is the most, of all the dumb fact checks, this is by far, this is right before an election, January 5th, by the way. Tell me how this isn't an in-kind donation from fake book in USA Today to Raphael Warnock, the Democrats. Please, I'd love to hear it. I'll wait. How is this not an in-kind, in, how, how? An in-kind donation. We quoted the guy. Here, from the USA Today fake book piece that they put in. You're going to have to read this if you go to my December 14th piece now, which now you should share everywhere and the new one. Don't do it for me because uh, it'll probably get me banned from Facebook. Do it for everyone. I don't care. Fact check. This is uh, by Matthew Brown, alleged journalist. Reverend Warnock's sermon on whiteness condemns racism, does not call for anti-white bigotry. Did I say that in my thing that he called for anti-white bigotry? Did I say that anywhere in there? I said the statement he made about renouncing whiteness was inherently racist. Did I say anyway he called for anti-white bigotry? Notice how he does that. He totally flips the script. Let's look at how he did it because it's kind of hilarious. Sorry, I know I went out of order. Can we get back to who he was in a second? I'm going to show you who he was at the end. I probably wrote it out of order. Here's from the USA. This is how they, how unbelievably they try to finagle their way out of condemning whiteness being somehow condemning racism. Quote, Matthew Brown, fake journalist, USA Today. Let me call him alleged journalist, just to be fair, because he alleges he's a journalist. It's not fake because he thinks he's a journalist. I'm going to say alleged because this is not journalism. He says whiteness defined. The concept of, quote, whiteness is an academic term that can be defined as the way that white people 
their customs, culture, and beliefs operate as a standard by which all other groups are compared. This is according to the National Museum of African-American History and Culture. This definition is beyond racist. I'll get to that in a second. It's not meant to be a structural attack on white people. <laughs> it's not, Joe, it's not a structural attack on white people. Renounce whiteness. <laughs> but don't worry, white people, this is not an attack. That's according to the ever brilliant, and I believe me, I mean that sarcastically, <laughs> Andrea Gillespie, a political scientist and director at the James Weldon Johnson Institute for Race and Difference at Emory University. Apparently, Miss Gillespie had another brilliant comment here. And by brilliant, I mean not brilliant, dictionary.com definition. But he is trying to offer a very pointed critique of a white supremacist culture. Joe, did he say that you cut that out? Joe, <laughs> why did you cut that out of the Warnock clip? I, about I the white supremacist culture. Because <laughs> I I'm not, that's not what he said in that sense. So he says, no, Warnock's trying to offer a pointed critique of white supremacist culture, which everybody renounces. No, there's nobody that privileges whiteness above all other types of people, she said. No, no, Warnock didn't say that. I'm condemning white supremacy, and so is everyone else. That's not what Warnock said. He said we need to announce, renounce whiteness. She goes on to say, this genius, the term whiteness, uh, this is now Matthew Brown again, alleged journalist, has been in use for decades and is often connected with notions of white privilege and systemic racism. Did you read the opening National Museum of African American History definition of whiteness? Are you picking out a few things in there that are so grotesquely racist that only a moron wouldn't see it? Huh. But that defines most people in media. Joe, just to be clear, Joe, yeah. you're you're Scottish, right? You have some Scottish Armacost? Yeah, I got some Scottish in it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Scottish. Yep. My children are half, I guess, white by definition. My wife is 100% Colombian. I'm Italian or uh, Italian in order, German, Irish, French, and from the United Kingdom a little bit. Mm-hmm. Joe, white people, that the definition of whiteness is de- mm-hmm. they're defined by their customs. <laughs> There, there. There? Yeah. Well, who's who's there? Are we talking about the Italians? Because last time I checked, Joe, um, now yeah. listen, I don't know how, how how far back your ancestors go to Scotland. Hmm. Uh, were they eating spaghetti and meatballs over cacio bread over there? Just, 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 just. No, no, no. Why, why not? not. <laughs> they're racist. They're racist. Will- That's their, it's their, cust- their, their customs. They're white people. That's their customs. Haggis. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, did did yeah. I grow up like my Irish friends eating shepherd's pie? I didn't even know what it was till I was like right. twenty. What about yeah? Listen, my grandfather's name was was Kramer. Something get more German than that? I never ate a bratwurst in my life. I love it. I think because I like that kind of stuff. Nothing better than processed meats. I never had one. I don't even know what it, how to cook a damn bratwurst. Shame on me. Everybody grew up in my house and my grandma's stuff drinking that Italian liquor. I don't even know what it is because I grew up in American culture. They, whatever. How racist is it to say whiteness is defined by their customs and cultures? What the hell does that mean? Italian culture is nothing like German culture, which is nothing like Irish culture, which is nothing like Scottish culture, which is nothing like Croatian culture or Yugoslavian culture or anything else. What are you idiots talking about? 
that whiteness isn't racist to renounce because we're only talking about their their custom don't exist. As the great Jordan Peterson once said, and I'm summarizing his brilliance here. Has there been any tool ever used in the history of humankind more dangerous and deadly for the murder of millions than judging individuals by a collective groups of, of group of characteristics they can't control? Judging an individual person by the language he speaks, the color of her skin, the place he was born? Is there anything more dangerous and deadly than telling people they need to renounce whiteness? A characteristic which has nothing to do with their character at all that they were born with and they have absolutely zero control over. Unlike, as Miss Paula said, Alaria Baldwin, who can switch on a dime. She has a, she has a switch there. But we missed that. I don't know that switch. Is there anything more dangerous than that? It's been the excuse for the Soviets to put the Zeks in the gulags, the Chinese to put the Uyghurs in death camps, even here. Put the Japanese in internment camps during World War II. It's happened here. Enslave millions of African blacks who were brought here as slaves, make them sit at segregated counters. Does anybody question the evils of any of those? Exterminate via gas millions of Jews in the Holocaust because of their religion? Anybody, is anybody, anybody defending that? If you are, please tune out immediately and never unsubscribe from my show tomorrow. But you're not. That's not my audience. And yet we're not supposed to condemn Warnock. Condemning and asking people to renounce an immutable, inherent characteristic they have no control over, regardless of the character of the person. We're not supposed to condemn that because Matthew Brown. Can you put up Matthew Brown? I know I got a second screenshot. I'm sorry to go out of order. But this is Matthew Brown, the genius, who has somehow turned an inherently racist statement into a statement condemning racism. And here's Matthew Brown, politics now reporter. Report, and I'm putting the reporter in air quotes. Matthew Brown is a politics now reporter at USA Today, originally from Georgia. Matthew's a graduate of Dartmouth College. Oh, Matthew's so much smarter than all of us, apparently. Can't even read the dictionary.com, leftist dictionary.com. Can't even read their own dictionary definition of racism. That's Matthew Brown for you. I have anything personal against Matthew Brown. I never met this guy, but I'm telling you based on Matthew Brown's own writing that Matthew Brown is an idiot. And I'll tell you what, I think I'm going to share that Facebook post now again today. Call up my guy later for a third time. Fake book wants to ban us. You go right ahead. I'll make a bigger deal out of this than you know. And I know fake book. I know what they're thinking. I had a guy I didn't tell you this story. I won't say his name, but he's an employee of Facebook. I'm pretty sure he's telling the truth based on the inside information. He sent me an email. He said, ah, Facebook doesn't care if all the conservatives leave. They're growing around the world. Eh, I'm not sure, buddy. I know you still listen to my show. I liked your email. It was very informative. He was giving me all kinds of data and numbers and stuff. You sure about that? Number one, I have about a million listeners to a show all platforms included, sometimes more. If even 10% of those left, 
And then 10% of influencers on Facebook, like uh, Mark Levin and others, who's already leaving, and others left too. And then you have a bunch of kids right now, the generation that hates Facebook. Oh, you think they Google it. Young people are leaving. Uh, Siri, go, don't Google it. I'm sorry. We say that by instinct. My fault. Leave that in. Search engine. Any other. Go to DuckDuckGo. Put in young people leaving Facebook. You think I'm making it up? You think Facebook doesn't have a problem on its hands? What's that? Yeah, kids aren't even on it. They think it's a joke. You sure Facebook? You want to? And the reason I mentioned the money thing is not to say, hey, look at me. The reason I mentioned the money thing is you're going to lose a million dollar account because you decided to give a ridiculous election donation to a Democrat from a, an alleged journalist who doesn't even understand the definition of racism. You sure you want to go down that path? I will fight that to the end. Let me show you one more quote from this ridiculous fact check context, whatever the hell it was, from the USA Today piece. USA Today, what sometimes, by the way, accidentally does real journalism. I have a story I hope to get to today. It's important. But this is uh, also this woman, Gillespie, who's a real genius on this stuff, and I use that term lightly. She says, what I suspect, Reverend Warnock, what she suspects, Joe. So keep in mind, this is, wait, keep this up, because this is important. I have to say that sometimes, because Paula gets, she's got the trigger finger there. So when Joe and I comment and Paula mm-hmm. on what we suspect Warnock said, based on a common sense definition of racism, Joe, that's no good. But that's what Miss right. Gillespie says is what really matters because she knows more about Reverend Warnock apparently than we do. Quote, Gillespie, Andrea Gillespie. What I suspect Reverend Warnock was trying to speak is to how Donald Trump as a candidate appealed to whiteness. He, he did? Joe, do you recall that Joe's Donald Trump speech? Uh, I appeal to whiteness for you. I don't recall no. that. Of course, she's just making that up. Um, the threat of status loss embodied by having a woman run against him in an increasingly diverse society. Interesting, because Donald Trump never said that. So there, but keep in mind, there is no fact check in the fact check. There should be a line there, fact check. Donald Trump did not say this, but there's none because it's USA Today and alleged journalist Matthew Brown. It goes on. Regardless of the utility of whiteness as a concept, it does not refer to specific people who may identify or be seen as white. (laughs) Warnock's comments were not advocating anti-white bias. Ladies and gentlemen, what the hell does that even mean? He's telling you to renounce as a country whiteness while this dope at USA Today is saying that's not condemning white people. Then what is it condemning? I wrote white aliens. What else is it condemning? The color white in a Crayola box? Do you realize how stupid you have to be? This kid, Dartmouth, rescind this guy's degree. Can he not read? Imagine, reverse this. Because liberals can't think straight. Because when everything's about Donald Trump, liberals go blank. Because they're dumb. Can you imagine for a moment, Joe, at a Jim Crow counter with a sign up, Here's the colored water fountain. Here's the colored counter. Suggesting this is not an attack on people who are black with elevated melanin levels in their skin because it's just an attack on colored people and colored people, air quotes, doesn't mean that. You would be, thank the Lord, thrown out of polite society tomorrow because everyone would look at you like, What are you, an idiot? 
But when the terms are flipped and it's about whiteness, it's a-okay. It's not an attack on white people. It's just an attack on people who are white who have whiteness. Ah, this is Matthew Brown, Dartmouth College. Isabel, pull Dartmouth right away off your college application. My daughter's out there. They're home from school this week. Right away. I told her to apply to all these. Don't. Don't apply there. Serious. Dartmouth's out. Paula, Dartmouth, off the list. My daughter's very smart. Off the list. All right, moving on. I got some other stuff to cover. So show me go. It's a little bit long today. Sorry. But uh, one, uh, rest in peace, uh, Congressman-elect Luke Letlow. I don't know if you heard this story, but he was just elected to Congress. What a horrible story. 41 years old. Just a really awful story. Came down with COVID. Apparently was getting a little better. Broke bad. Inflammation kicked in. Was sent to intensive care. I believe he's from Louisiana. Uh, so rest peacefully with the Lord. Um, my prayers, sincerely, uh, my, me and my family too are, are, are with your family. God rest your soul. 41. Goes to show you this virus is very unpredictable. And let me just say, not to make this a negative downer segment, but to the liberals and leftists who are going after this guy because he objected to lockdowns trying to save business. May God save you one day. I'm, I'm just going to leave that. I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm not using the Lord's name. May God save you and your wretched souls one day. Politicizing a man's death at 41 with two kids and a wife. Just disgusting. Okay, moving on, because that's going to get ugly and I don't want it to. All right, let's lighten it up a little bit. I got more on Georgia and some other stuff. I'm going to have to get through some of this pretty quick. But um, I, on a lighter note, I, I have to do an update on this Alaria Baldwin story. And and not because I want to pile on. I don't do pylons. You know, I don't do these. But it's just becoming epidemic now where people are faking who they are and doing it in a re- in a way that is so easily discoverable, you start to wonder if these are sane, rational people. Elizabeth Warren pretending to be an Indian. Rachel Dolezal pretending to be black, Jessica Krug, I don't know what she was pretending to be Spanish or something. These examples are just everywhere and you wonder why. Well, as I said yesterday, please again, listen to yesterday's show. We put a lot of work into it. I talk about how it's faking your status to become a minority when you're not gives you status because in victim culture, if you're a minority, you have victim status and that's exalted by leftists. But secondly, it immunizes you from attacks. Because leftists believe you can't be a racist or say racist things like Raphael Warnock did if you are black or Hispanic because you don't have power. The guy's running for Senate. So that's nonsense too. So what better? I mean, as I said yesterday, I'm actually stunned more people don't fake being Spanish, black, Asian, or whatever. Insulated from attacks and you get status in society with leftists? (laughs) Who's better than you? Let's just replay this Alaria Baldwin, uh, Alaria Baldwin video here. Here is Alaria Baldwin, who is a uh, real name is Hillary Laywood Thomas from Cambridge, Massachusetts, um, who admits now she is a quote white girl. Her words, not mine. And apparently, you know, uh, why would she not want to be a white girl? If you listen to Raphael Warnock, you know, who she probably you know likes, suggesting to her that whiteness should be renounced. Why would you not want to pretend to be something else? But here's Alaria Baldwin on a cooking segment on a major national show. Uh, pretending to not know how to say in the word English. Keep in mind, she grew up in Cambridge, Massachusetts, speaking English. How to say the word 
not supercalifragilisticmakesmehalidocious. She, she apparently forgot how to say the word because she's pretending to be a Spanish speaker here. Cucumber. You know, very tough word, Joe. You're talking, nobody knows what a cucumber is. Gosh, a cucumber. <laughs> you know, I'm talking about some scientific term here, right? We're not talking about pediatric autoimmune neurodegenerative orders associated with strep. That's a real thing, by the way, pandas. Um, check this out. Here, here's, Paul, had to correct me. It's not Hilaria Baldwin. It's, uh, how, do, how do you say it there? Ilaria. Paula is actually a native Spanish. Ilaria. Silent H. Ilaria. Boom. Check this out. Very few ingredients. We have tomatoes. We have, um, how do you say Cucumber. Cucumbers. We have, um, red. How you, how you say cucumber? How you say? I explained why she said it that way yesterday on the show. Thank you, uh, audience archivist Judy for your great email about that. She speaks two languages. That is really, really nasty to do. When people learn another language, they translate directly. And if you're asking someone in the Spanish language how to say something in English, you say, como se dice. So she's translating it directly. Como se dice is literally how you say. Of course, she knows in English, that's not how you say how you say. You say, how do you say? But she's basically making fun of Spanish speakers by doing that, pretending to be Spanish. She'll get a pass. By the way, how you say busted in English? Busted? Is there a, how you say, how you say busted? Busted? Is there a busted in Spanish? Here's the latest update in the Alaria Baldwin scandal, which ties right into this warning. It's all about the same thing. Why would she not want to pretend she wasn't white? Warnock told her whiteness should be renounced. Why not? In fairness, Ilaria Baldwin beat him to the punch. was doing this way before his speech. Here's the Daily Mail. This will be in the show notes today, Bongino.com slash newsletter. Another update in the Ilaria Baldwin scandal. We always laugh. The Daily Mail headlines. You never need to screenshot it. The headline's like the longest. It says the whole piece. Don't even bother. Just read the headline. Exclusive. Inside Ilaria and Alec Baldwin's New York City wedding, where instead of yes to their vows, they said see. They were, <laughs> they waved Joe flamenco fans <laughs> and exchanged Cartier rings inscribed in Spanish before she told Vanity Fair that her family, this is Ilaria, said her family, they're all white from Massachusetts. She said her family, she told Vanity Fair, couldn't pronounce her new surname. Jeez. They couldn't pronounce. The, the woman's father and mother are, I think, doctors and PhDs or something from Cambridge, Massachusetts. She went to a $64,000 a year elite private school in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And her mother and father can't pronounce Baldwin. His last name wasn't like Bongiornino Noni and Orno, like my name gets pronounced every day. Fairly enough, by people who speak English, because they say it directly. Bongino. It's not Bongino. It's Bongino. The Italians pronounce their guh g's like j's. Don't ask me why. I don't know. They just do it. Bonjour, whatever. I don't know. That's French, of course. Bongiorno in Italian. I don't know. I'm not a linguist. I'm not like the character in Star Trek. She's a linguist. You're a linguist. I've seen the. That's not me. I'm just saying. Her doctor, dad, and mom with 
advanced level intellects who are white from Cambridge, Massachusetts, I'm reasonably confident could pronounce Baldwin. If her mom and dad were Spanish, they're not. I'm also pretty sure they can pronounce Baldwin. How else would you pronounce it? Baldwin? Baldwin. Is there an accent I'm missing? Baldwin. Baldwin. Roll, roll the Baldwin. Am I missing something? How do you pronounce Baldwin any other way? What kind of stupid, what kind of idiots do you think people are? What kind of an idiot? Let me, can I ask you this? Is this not an insult to people who've learned the English language from any foreign country that they can't pronounce Baldwin? What the, why am I missing something? My mother-in-law has no problem. She's an actual native Spanish speaker who learned English late. She calls me Danny Bongino, not Danny Bongino. Danny Bungior, she's very simply has my, it's not hard. Even English speakers screw up my name. Oh. What universe are we living in? All right, two more quick ones on a lighter note. Before I get back to Georgia, I'm going to leave you on a serious, usually you're on a, leave you on a lighter note. Today I got to leave you on a serious note because it's important. But just quickly, what the hell is it? Hat tip, uh, Caleb Hall, on, I pulled this off of social media. What the heck is Chuck Schumer saying yesterday on the House floor about the NDAA and the stimulus vote? This is about 29 seconds. If you could translate this in, in the English language, the actual English language, not Ilaria Bowman English, I'd be happy to hear. What is this guy saying? Check this out. We're about to get the answers to these questions. So now, Mr. Madam, uh, Madam President, I ask consent to set the NDAA. Nope, sorry. Madam President, where am I? Would the senator modify his request to include a unanimous consent request that the to include unanimous consent that the Senate proceed to the immediate consideration? What What are you talking about? Can these guys ever not read off a paper and just say what they think? Oh, I saw that. I'm like, typical. Seriously. Typical. All right. I know I said I get to the negative interest rate story. I got that. And I've got a really, really cool set of, I don't do a lot of national security stories on here. I should, but I don't. Tomorrow, I will get to this negative interest rate story and the digital currency in China. It's important. Ladies and gentlemen, they want that here. Fully digital currency, meaning no cash majorly bad idea. I'm talking about fiat currency, not Bitcoin. I love Bitcoin. Great idea. Talking about a government-sponsored digital currency, I cannot tell you enough how bad of an idea this is. I'm going to give you a horror story from the Wall Street Journal about what's happening in China. I'm just looking at page two here. Plus, I, gotta do, I can't forget me selling today. This is important. Don't let me forget this, Paul. This is huge. And two critical national security stories for tomorrow. One about this new weapon the Air Force invented. If you want to check out the story, it's on BonginoReport.com. It'll be in our show notes today, too. And also what happened in Nashville. That should be a big wake-up call. But I got to cover that tomorrow. It's going to take some time, and I don't want to you know, leave you hanging on that, leave out important details. But I do have to get to this story because it's critical, especially with the election going on. That's why I'm picking this uh, rather than the other two right now. It's Mimi's song. I gotta, you know, you don't miss Mimi's song in a minute. Politico story. Check out this headline. 
Why am I putting up a political story? And I'm not putting this in the show notes because I'm not giving them the clicks because the headline is ridiculous. It's a political story about an abomination of a ruling in Georgia about the election that is so laughable that if the Politico headline was honest, you, would, you wouldn't even have to read the article. It'd be like Daily Mail. You'd be done. Look at a headline. So Politico. So Politico. We have an issue here with the uh, Politico ski. Uh, you not have to be going on or all that? All right. It's me. There's no Politico. Still. You move me over a little bit to the left. I can see the Politico. There. Hey. I'm not bad. We love my wife. Come on, we get a mess around. Don't cut that out. Sometimes she say cut it out. It's not her fault. I, I go out of order. It's my fault. I have an order for the show and I screw everything up. Listen to this headline. Judge blocks voter purge, voter purge in two Georgia counties. Judge Leslie Abrams Gardner, the sister of Stacey Abrams in Georgia, rejected a call for her to recuse. Judge blocks a voter purge effort. You read that story by Political, you'd be like, oh my gosh, those dastardly Republicans are trying to take legitimate voters off the ballot again, Joe. Oh, man, terror voter suppression everywhere. <laughs> What's the real story? Well, let's look at how they frame it inside the Politico piece. <laughs> a little worried there. Quote, Politico. Listen to how they frame this. This suit brought by Majority Forward, represented by the National Democratic Party attorney, Mark Elias. Oh, Mark Elias, the same guy who hired Fusion GPS. You know, the whole Spygate thing? <laughs> That's weird, Joe, right? Followed an effort to challenge the lengthy roster of voters simply because, listen to this, how they frame this, simply because their registrations appeared to match postal service change of address records. Simply? You moved. It goes on. Voting officials in the two counties agreed to remove the voters. Shocker, Joe, they moved. Despite warnings from Democrats that such postal data, this is hilarious, is not a reliable or conclusive indicator that a voter has given up their local residence. After Gardner's ruling, Elias, you know, the Fusion GPS guy, hailed the decision as a blow to GOP voter suppression. So just to be clear, you go to the post office because you're moving. You sign a voter change of a change of address form to have your mail forwarded. Meaning you don't live there anymore. Those people then should be removed. And by the way, you can still file a provisional ballot because sometimes it does happen. Again, I'll give you both sides. Unlike the media, the political will never explain this to you. You can still file a provisional ballot. Sometimes, Joe, I got friends. They sell homes. Then they yeah. move down the block. They change their mind. They don't want to leave. Right. Some sell. They don't want to sell anymore. It happens all the time. You can file a provisional ballot on disputes to be crystal clear. There's no voter suppression. But probably 95% plus, and I'm probably being generous, of people who file a post office change of address to move are doing it. Get ready for it, Joe. Because they moved. Wow. Take your nitroglycerin pills. I know that's stunning. I don't want an unnecessary rise in blood <laughs> pressure. But that's probably a good reason to ask that their voter rolls be scrubbed of people who can't vote in the state. Factoid number one, which they casually gloss over there. The case was heard by Stacey Abrams, you know, the self-anointed governor of Georgia, who's not the governor of Georgia. She was the Democrat candidate who was on the news every day talking about how evil the GOP is and trying to suppress votes. The case was heard by her sister. You think that might be grounds for recusal? 
I don't know. Only in a sane universe. By the way, that was a GOP judge who was the brother of Donald Trump here in this case. Of course, these hacks and lunatics in the liberal media would lose their minds. But these aren't principled people. They're losers. That's why they're journalists. Didn't recuse herself. Case was brought by Mark Elias and his group. You know Mark Elias, the fusion GPS guy. And Stacey Abrams' sister, whose sister is literally on TV lying about GOP voter suppression, rules on the case. And they rule, yes, Mark Elias is right, that people saying they're moving is not a reliable indicator of people saying they're moving. Matt, if you're watching my show today, Matt runs Bongino Report, which is our drudge alternative. Thank you for the explosive growth in the site, by the way. Can you please make that a headline? Judge rules people saying they're moving is not evidence of people saying they're moving. Can you please put that on there if you're listening to the show today? Maybe we should headline that. Unbelievable. Okay, so you know I love my daughter, Amelia. She's asked me for a favor. I hope you'll indulge me for a second. And this may be, I am not a good singer, folks. I was in a choir once at St. Pancras, which has a world-renowned choir. But she wrote, she's eight, and she wrote a song. Unfortunately, she didn't give me the chords. I'm not going to sing the whole thing. Maybe producer Joe would be better to record a jingle here. He is an actual mm. musician, but she asked me, she's never asked me for a favor. She wanted me to sing her song. So out of love for my daughter, I'll do that. So here it goes. It's called My Favorite Things. I'll just read the first opening couple sentences here. Sing them. I love my father. I love my home. I love my puppy. Oh, whoa, whoa. That's actually in there. The oh, whoa, whoa. I didn't, I didn't, I'm not reading it the right. Oh, there's more. There are a lot more things that I like if you want to hear them. She spelled here wrong. That they are art, books, and school. Then is, I don't know. You did not, maybe because it's my show, you did not make an issue. There is some more friends and food, colors, and candy. There are so many things that I like. I also like singing. Those are my favorite things. <laughs> the mamacita is very, I just said mamacita, is that racist? I'm not, the mamacita is very upset here. Can we say, I mean, I'm declaring myself Spanish. Mamacita, she's saying she's very upset she did not make it. Maybe because it's my show. You're going to have to write a new song from the, I can't sing anymore. So thank you. I'm sorry I had to subject you to that, but I did promise my daughter they deal with a lot for the show. We've been home all week. So I promised I, and I wanted to play it for her. Hey, thanks again for tuning in. We covered a lot of, don't miss tomorrow's show. Again, those two stories about digital currency, those national security stories are really, really worth your time, but I don't want to you know, cut you short. A couple things, please, please, please. We're asking you as a favor, if you wouldn't mind, check out BonginoReport.com. It's separate from Bongino.com. That's where we write our opinion pieces. BonginoReport.com is your new, conservative alternative to the Drudge Report. Drudge abandoned us a long time ago. I, I just got tired of it. We have the best conservative news of the day. Matt does a great job. Please make it your new home in the morning for conservative news. And I promise you, we don't like, we rarely even put our own articles up there. It's not about us. It's about the news. I have another website for that, Bongino.com. BonginoReport.com. If you make it your homepage in the morning, mean a lot to me. We're really trying to grow it. We've only been up for about a year now and uh, it's moving fast. And finally, subscribe to the video show, rumble.com slash Bongino. It's up there. It's free. The video show. 
priceless. So you can even see my daughter's song up there, but it's exclusive. And it's, well, it's all whited out by the thing. I'll have it right in a Sharpie next time. Thanks for tuning in, folks. I appreciate your patience with everything going on in my life. I felt good today. I promise you. I'll see you all tomorrow. You just heard Dan Bongino.